Well, good morning, all. I suppose to interrupt everybody at some point. So, no. So here we are again. A beautiful Sunday morning. Indeed, it is beautiful out. I like this kind of weather. I've been dreaming of it fondly ever since June. Oh, I don't. I don't like summer. It's hot. So, and. Plus, I usually have no life in the summertime, so all I do is work and come home and work and come home, so such is the life of a painter. Um, Jesus, we thank you for this day and uh, for all that you have done for us. God, we uh, are most grateful. Lord, we we pray that you would uh, meet with us in this place today, God, that you would... uh, Bring to us those things that that you would would teach us those things that you would plant inside of us. God, open our eyes, open our ears, open our understanding. Lord God, to receive from you what you have today, those things that can be uh, apprehended by the carnal mind. God, to receive from you those things uh, that we take by faith. God, as you planting inside of us. God, we just uh, come to you this morning. God, with the expectation. God, of, of you feeding us, Lord God, and we just pray that you would uh, meet with us and speak those words of life to us this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. So, if you haven't noticed, I like to study about words. I like words. And, uh, um, I don't know, a good 16 years ago or so, we we kind of stumbled across those keyword study Bibles. I still have the same one that I got back in 1999 when I was just a child. And uh, um, and those were the ones that we we sent to Africa uh, in droves, in humongous boxes and crates and so forth, and passed them out to the the pastors at the seminars. And uh, they're a really great Bible because they have this all these keywords, and you can go back to the lexicon and, and read about the, the the sense of the word and uh, uh, in the Greek. And uh, um, if you've never tried the Blue Letter Bible online, they have a great app that uh, is really convenient. That that you know you have this entire concordance and lexicon and all this stuff on your phone or your tablet or whatever. It's really really quite handy. Um, so. There's a lot of things that we uh, are lost on us in English. A lot of things that are just kind of lost in the translation because, uh, well, as, as my children have been learning to read and spell and write and stuff, it, it brings into glaring light how uh, inconsistent English is, and uh, you know, and then you know, add to that the fact that English has changed quite a bit in the last 400 years since the King James Bible. And so, um, you know, it's it's nice to be able to go back to the original language. I, I actually kind of wish I had the luxury of studying Greek and, and really learning it. But um, uh, today I wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, throughout the, the Bible, particularly in the, in the New Testament, there's lots of places where it talks about being tried, being proved, being tempted, uh, tormented even. And uh, um, all of those words you find 
or you could boil them down to about two different Greek words, and the sense of them is different. Uh, the first word is uh, parizo, which is uh, is like what we would think of in modern English as to be tempted. It's like a solicitation to sin, and and it, and it certainly is used for that. But it, and it can also just mean to be proved or to be tried in a generic sense for for a good purpose or bad. Uh, so it's it's kind of a kind of a neutral kind of trying, but but it certainly has that leans more towards that connotation of of a solicitation to sin. And the second word is uh and you know obviously if you're a Greek scholar correct me, but uh, dokimazo, which is like a proving that is uh it uh, is only ever used of the kind of proving that or. When you're talking about God proving you, that's the word it uses. It never uses the other word, and it's and it's it's a word that talks about scrutinizing something, and uh, or testing it, trying it, proving it, to determine the the veracity or the genuineness of of what you're what you're trying. And uh, it's like like you know when you you see somebody they get it, they pick up a coin off the street or whatever and they you know, bite it. It's like, I'm going to prove this coin, see if this is chocolate or not. And, uh, you know, five-second rule doesn't apply with money, I guess. But, uh, you know, see a penny, pick it up, eat it, and get really sick. Um, so, uh, okay, uh, go with me to uh, Genesis 22. You know, I mean, here I am talking about Greek, and I'm going to go back to the Old Testament, but, uh, um, this uh, this word that he uses here in the Hebrew, um, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. Um, uh, it. It answers to that that word dokimazo, this 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 good proving. In uh, in verse one of chapter twenty two, it says, "And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and he said said to him, Abraham said, Here I am." So he tempts him. It says, you know, and in the 1600s, you know, we, you know, we think of tempt as in like, it's like you know, I'm, I'm waving the donut in front of you while you're jogging, you know. But, um, you know, back then they didn't really use tempt in the same way. But in the in the Young's Literal, it actually says that God did try Abraham, which is is more the sense that clearly is more the sense of what this is saying. And so he says, "Behold, here am I." Here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he clave the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose up, and he went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide you here with the ass while I and the lad go yonder and worship, and I will come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here are my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And so they went both of them together. And man, that must have been a hard moment. And it's like, well, uh, 
You know, no, nobody likes knowing something like that and and not being able to talk about it. You know, if if I know something difficult like that, it's really hard for me to not say anything uh, or even really talk about anything else for that matter. It's like, well, here's the thing. You know, and uh, uh, you know, because it's certainly a, an uncomfortable kind of of moment. You know, I mean, uncomfortable doesn't begin to describe the the uh, the day that Abraham is having here. <clears throat> you know, and and we 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 all know the story, and, and we all know that God knows what it is in your life that uh, is the the very last thing that you would put down, the very last thing that you would give him, the thing that if if you uh, if you were going to meet Esau, he knows what thing you would keep closest to you and that you'd kind of put everything else out in the front. So they came to the place which God had told him of, verse 9, and Abraham built an altar there and he laid the wood in order and he bound Isaac his son and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, you know, one time uh, we had this brand new tool at work. This was years ago when Bobby worked with us. And we had this bucket of dirty water. It had you know, water and paint and stuff in it. And, uh, and Bobby thought Mike was telling him to put this brand new tool in the dirty water. And he's kind of I was like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. You know, and that's kind of what I picture here. I kind of picture Abraham with a knife, like, you know, because, I mean, who would, it's like, you know, you're going to have to do this, you know, and, and you know, of course, in Hebrews, he tells us that he, he knew that God could raise him from the dead. But, man, that must have been, you know, a difficult thing, you know, so, it's like, when he says, here am I, I always hear in my head, oh, thank God. And uh, and he said, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing you have not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. You know, when when we meet Abraham, uh, and I think it's 12, that's where he starts out with, he starts out with this covenant. He's like, he, he introduces you to Abraham, and immediately he makes this covenant with him. He's like, you go out, you obey my voice, and I'm going to bless you. You're going to have seeds like the stars of heaven. And uh, and now when we get to this point, we're actually getting fairly on close to the end of, of dealing with Abraham. You know, there's not a whole lot after this. The story begins to kind of shift over to Isaac. <clears throat> but after this, uh, you know the rest of the story. He, he finds the, the ram caught in the thicket. And, uh, of course, sacrifices that instead. And uh, and God reiterates this covenant with him again. You know, but he, the thing I wanted to focus on there is that he, he tried him. This is that God proving, the dokimazo, where he says, he's like, because he knew this faith was already there. You know, because he says to Abraham, it sounds as if he were, as if he were trying to see if it was there. You know, God already knows it's there, but he proved to Abraham that it was there. And, uh, and he said, you know, uh, now I know that you fear God because 
I told you to do the most unthinkable thing that seemed totally contradictory to what to all the promises that I gave you. And you did it because because you believed me. And so so he tried Abraham's faith in a very severe way. And uh and it and it turned out to be genuine. Like it said, he scrutinized it, he stressed it, and, and it turned out to to withstand that test. Um you know, some, some New Testament examples of the, the same kind of testing, the same kind of word. Um, one I, th- I found interesting was in 1 Corinthians when Paul is talking about communion. He says, let a man examine himself and, and so partake. And so, you know, and we all know that that's talking about examining yourself by the word of God. You know, not, not, it's not a cracker. It's I'm listening to the word. And, and I'm proving myself by it. And that's the word that he uses there. It's dokimazo. It's like, let a man prove himself by this word. So so we don't just sit and hear it. We we examine ourselves with it. And, and we're, we're proving ourselves by it. You know, I, I went through a, a rather difficult circumstance years ago where someone was really taking advantage of me and treating me really bad. And I did not see it. I just could not see it. I could tell something seemed wrong. Everything in my life seemed messed up at the time. And I just couldn't, I, I, I could not see what was really going on. And uh, you know, I just kept kept pressing on. That's kind of typically what I do. If I don't know what else to do, I just kind of put my head down and push. But uh, eventually God straightened everything out and showed me what was going on. I got to talk to Ron about everything that was going on, and he laid it all out, spelled it all out for me, threw me a map. And, uh, and I was like, okay, so why why did God let me go through all that stuff uh, like totally in the dark? It's like I had no idea what was going on. I know God talks. Why did he not clue me in a long time ago about this? And he says, well, God was proving to you what was inside, and He was showing you that that not having all the information that you would make the right choice. Which I thought, wow, that was not the answer I was expecting at all. I expected something like, well, if you'd been paying attention, or if you'd come talk to me six months ago, or you know, oh, no, I would say it'd be a lot of grief, wouldn't it? No, no, but but God does that to us, where He takes us to those places where He proves us. And uh, and and we find out what we have inside, and we know that those things that we have within us, those good things that come out like that, are they're not so much us as they are Him. You know, because Paul said that within my flesh dwells no good thing. So, <clears throat> um, uh, you don't have to go with me. I'm going to go over to First Peter because I can't remember how this verse goes exactly. But this is another really great example. Of the use of that, that word dokimazo uh, in First Peter one, verse seven. Uh, well, I'll go back to six. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. There's that word again. That the trial, there it is again, of your faith being much more precious than that of gold which perishes, though it's tried with fire, might be found to the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So yet another uh, instance of, of how God puts us in a place where we are 
proved, where where we're tried, and and it's a a most disconcerting experience. But uh, you know, it's it's a precious thing though, because when we, you know when God is trying you, then He's not going to hurt you. You know, I mean, your eyeballs might bulge out a little bit, and uh, you know, you might feel rather uncomfortable. You like this for a little while, but um, but it, you know, he's not going to do any lasting damage to you because he, he cares about you. He knows what's best for you. You know, it's like um, it's like uh, Beth and Justin sending Jeremy to public school, and it's like why? It's like well, because you would never be mean to him like they will. You know, and we 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 need those experiences. Although when people treat your children like that, then you want to go find this little weasel and <laughs> and. Destroy them. You know, so, I've, I've, I've thought of turning little children over and roasting them on a spit before. Um, Sunday school teacher. Uh, <laughs> uh, go with me to James. So, um, you know, I, I had my nice little comfortable uh, slouch beanie on yesterday. Kind of needed to shave. That's a Saturday. Somebody was like, you know, that hat on, you don't really look so much like a preacher as you do like a kind of a grungy kind of guy. <laughs> I thought, well, I, I, I am feeling rather grungy today. It's Saturday. I'm supposed to take it easy on Saturday. You know, wear your comfy clothes, your 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 uh, slouch beanie, and your stretchy pants. You know, it's like I'll, I'll shave in the morning. So, you know, it's, it's funny to, you know, it's like when you're a kid and you think a doctor is like a genius and, and they're they're like this superhuman person. And then you get older and you know people that are doctors. And you think, oh, suddenly feeling more confident in the Lord. So, you know, maturity comes to us all eventually. You know, so some of us slower than others, but it does come. Um, in James chapter 1, you probably all beat me there because I was busy talking. So, so I've been talking about God proving you, God putting you in a place where he is squeezing on you uh, or trying you to see if, or to, to, to prove to you, in fact, what, what's in you is genuine because, uh, you know, we, we don't always view ourselves in an accurate way. You know, typically we we have a, a view of ourselves that is either it you know it might be awfully rosy. I don't think that's usually the case. I think typically we have a view of ourselves that is rather negative. You know, and uh, and so it always catches us by surprise when God starts talking all these great things and, and talks wonderful about you and to you, and it's like me, okay, okay then. So, uh, so I want to talk a little bit more about a different kind of of tempting, a different kind of proving. And this now we're getting away from the this dokimazo, this proving of God, to the the parazo, the temptation, the solicitation of sin. It would be in James one, we'll start in verse two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. There it is. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. So, 
So here, even though, even though we're talking about this, this negative kind of temptation, this solicitation to sin, it's like it's here, and yet it's under this umbrella of God's proving of God's, because He He knows He knows what's in you, and and He knows that His power in you can keep you from those things, and so, and of course, when you have a choice, you know, it's like. You know, you see those businesses. It's like, you know, we know you have a choice, and we're glad you chose us. We appreciate it and everything. You know, it's like God knows that that it places value on something when you make a choice. And so when when we choose him over those temptations, then it places value. And And the longer you fight for something, the harder you fight for something, the more you paid for something, the less likely you are to just lightly give it up. And, uh, um, of course, you gain patience by uh, constant irritation. You know, pa- pa- patience is, you know, patience is like, is like a pearl, you know, and, and you guys all know how pearls are made. It's like this, this little soft clam thing gets this pebble in there, and it's obnoxious and painful, and so it coats it in this stuff to make it more... Uh, agreeable, more comfortable, and eventually comes out to be something really pretty. But you know, patience is like that. I, uh, my kind of default settings when I was, as I was growing up, was to be very impatient. And uh, I'm still not a terribly patient person. But having your patience or your faith tried, having your patience tried, having Things that are just make you want to pull your hair out and scream come against you, and knowing that you have to tell yourself, "No, I can't act like that. I can't give in to that temptation of jumping and screaming and breaking things." Uh, then it, it works patience because it, it, it in fact forces you into a place of being patient, and so so God is very wise how He does that. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally, and upbraids not, and it should be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, and like, you know, people like you to, when they ask you, they give you a choice, and they, they want you to make a decision. They ask you questions like, okay, yes or no, this or this, A or B. They they like they intend for you to make a decision, you know. Um, and uh, so it's it can be like, you know, just make up your mind, you know. And I and I, it's like I, I do that with my kids sometimes. It's like, you know, it's like, do you want this or do you want this? It's like, well, I, you know, I. This kind of back and forth, wishy washy thing. I think that's what God's saying here. It's like double minded man is unstable in all his ways. I was like, well, I think I want this. I want this, but I just don't. Ah, ah. You know? and, and what God is saying is it's like, you know, if, if you want something from me, ask. And, and, and you know, be bold about it. You know, be, be, be serious about it. Um, and that's all free. That's actually, I'm just on the way to something else here. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he's exalted, but the rich that he's made low, 
because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass, and the flower thereof falls, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also the rich man shall fade away in his ways. And here's where I was going. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when it's finished, it brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So, so when it, you know, it's helpful to, to be able to sort through the things in your mind and the, like all these thoughts and impulses and things, kind of like when we talked about, is this instruction? Is this condemnation? What is this? It, it's helpful to be able to sort through these things and be like able or be able to figure out is this is God proving me with something here? Am I am I just in a trial, or is is this something that I'm doing? I, is some kind of temptation in me, and or is this is this the adversary? It's really it's helpful to know those things. And uh, in this passage, is, he seems to be talking about those things that come from within, you know, because you know your your flesh is like having having a traitor in the castle gates inside the walls, and and, and he would be only too happy to open open the gates and and, and let the enemy in. And and so so there is certainly that kind of temptation that comes against us and that's what he and that's the word he's using here is parazo so he's saying that god does not ever bring that to you directly but like i said before it can come to you underneath the uh the covering of of his proving you like like job job's a great example of all these i mean he wasn't you know he was tempted to just curse god and die and and just he could have just railed against god and been angry about everything that happened to him, you know, but you know he he hadn't done anything it was he had this hedge about him and 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 the devil's like, well, of course he's blessed, of course he loves you because you just yeah, he's like he's in this little hedge, he's in this protected little place, I can't get near him, and so God's like, okay, well, then why don't you let's prove him then? It's like I, I I have I I have my proving, you know, and I, I'll let you bring your proving. You bring your temptations, and and we'll see what happens. And uh, because I because I can bring out what's inside of him. And so, you know, we, those things happen to us because you know, even even the adversary has his his uses. And I'm sure that it grates on him that to know that he is like a tool in God's toolbox. You know, and he certainly is a tool. But you know, there's this. Uh, you know, the Bible says that all things work together for good. You know, and uh, and I think that's one of those things. You know, and so, but what James is talking about here is this. He says every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And so, so you have things that your flesh would like to have. That things, you know, and like we, we've been talking about this a lot lately. Then uh, your soul has to figure out: Can I get this? Uh, 
you know, how would I get this? And then it needs your your spirit's stamp of approval or veto, you know. And uh, uh, so, uh, as we grow in the Lord, and the more practice we get, the more we just we throw out that veto. It's like, nope, 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 nope. And so, so there's certainly that temptation that comes to us from within, but telling ourselves no. Uh, is a is a refining thing, and it, and it tries our faith. That's why I went back to the beginning where he says, uh, "Blessed is the man that endures temptation." Or well, I guess that was here, but but he says um, in verse two where he says, "Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, that the, knowing this, the trying of your faith works patience, because all those things are are beneficial. They never feel like it. That's why we we quote Romans eight twenty eight through gritted teeth sometimes." All things work together. Lord. You know, and I, I've had some things that they, you know, because God does things, lets things happen in our life sometimes. It's like, how could this possibly be good? Like, I, I can't see any. You know, I'm a reasonable man, God, and I want to make my case here. I don't. I can't think of any good reason to be going through this right now. Now, you know, you turn back the sundial of Ahaz, maybe we could go back to Tuesday and let's try this again and let's just go around this thing because I can't figure out any reason to be doing it. But so see, God has a, a plan and he has more reason and, and he, he has things that we can't understand. And sometimes God does things in our life that if he could do it some easier way, he would. You know, but but he, he knows what you need. He knows what kind of pressure it's going to take to, to get you where where he wants you to be, and so so we have this we have this little Judas in the gates in our flesh, and we we just practice telling him no. We keep an eye on him, and uh, you know put him in the put him in the dungeon on moldy bread and, and uh, stagnant water, you know, um, because we uh, we're, we're making him our choice. Uh, skip back just a few pages with me to Hebrews 11. Uh, Spurgeon beat me to this sermon a long time ago. I hate when that happens. Because he... I They do! And, you know... Uh, I mean, I, of course he... You know, he was. I was born in the wrong century to have beat him to this. So, um, you know, and, and actually Ron referenced this recently and uh, it kind of stuck with me in uh, verse... Well, I'll start in 32. What shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, and Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of the lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. So that's that's a pretty victorious list of things. The the exploits of the saints down through the ages. A victory that looks like victory. You couldn't argue that it's not. And then he says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. 
that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. So that would be victory, but it doesn't look like victory on the outside. No, but but you know your your outward man perishes, but your your inward man is renewed day by day. You know, but the thing that I wanted to key on in this, the the thing that Spurgeon beat me to, was he says they were tempted, and he sticks it in the middle of all this stuff that that would seem you know because most people it's like, man, what a wow that pizza is really tempting, you know, or it's like wow you know I'd really like to do this thing that's really tempting, but that that's not that wouldn't be a good thing, you know. And and oftentimes I think we underestimate the the danger in temptation. You know, uh, my kids have this little Veggie Tales show uh, that's about temptation, and there's this character that really likes to play video games, and she cannot stay away from these games. And eventually, and there's this this character that's temptation that goes around, and she's this bad apple. And she goes around and she offers offers her this game and eventually, and she's like, wow, this game looks so great. It looks like I could just go right in it and be in the game. She's like, oh, but you can. And then she's in the game and she can't get out. And and like one of the other characters like has this penchant for chocolate and uh, and she gets him sucked into this chocolate until he's like stuck in a puddle of chocolate and he can't get out. And... Uh, and, he, and he's trying to fight her, and he's like, I'm not letting you in. I'm not letting you in my house. And she's like, that's what they all say, but they always do. And I thought, wow. It's like, this is probably pretty good. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's like, you know, because, you know, temptation can be like that. You know, it's like we all think of, you know, this, you know, the devil being, like my kids have this, this children's Bible that, uh, Actually, a pretty decent paraphrase of the King James, but it, uh, uh, in the story of the temptation of Jesus, it has this picture of Jesus standing on the top of the, the pinnacle of the temple, and there's like this little red guy with a cape and, and hooves and the bifurcated tail and everything. And it's like, no, that's not really what I think of when I think of what the devil looks like. You know, I, I think of like some surpassingly beautiful woman or something. You know, something that's like. Well, that doesn't seem so bad, you know, because that's what he does. Because he's he's kind of oily like that, you know, <clears throat> and uh, you know because um, you know he he found out early on with the church that if you just come against it in an obvious way, then uh, it doesn't work so well. But if you but you know the wiser cats go around the back door, and so so he understands that if he can catch you off guard, then it's a different thing. But see, it's like he says, um, so others were tortured and had cruel mockings and scourging, bonds, imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword. So he's like talking about all these things that would kill you, literally kill your flesh, you would die. And yet, he, and, he, and in the middle of this list of those things, he puts, tempt, they were tempted. So, so the, 
this temptation that comes. And this is that same word that we were reading about in James, the temptation that God doesn't bring to you directly Himself. That, that kind of temptation is, is indeed that deadly. And, uh, uh, you know, He will... Uh, you know, he'll come against you with, uh, you know, if, if threats will do it, then he'll he'd be happy to come against you with threats. You know, it's like Bunyan was in was in prison, and you know, was, I think it was him that his his daughter begged him to just do what they wanted so he could come home. You know, and uh, you know if uh, if if the enemy thinks he could get you to turn around by giving you everything you ever wanted. Then, then he'll do it, and but that's temptation, because it's like he's wanting you to give up what you have for something that that might seem better. You know, Moses, you know, it must have been tempting to just stay in the palace where it was comfortable, but he chose to suffer affliction with the children of God. So uh, Isaac Watts was uh, this great hymn writer. He wrote uh, at the cross. Uh, when I survey the wondrous cross, he's uh, considered by a lot of people to be like the the father of English hymns, and uh, um, he wrote this poem called "Am I a Soldier of the Cross?" And uh, it's not a song that I know of, but uh, you know, uh, something that Spurgeon said that really struck me is he said, uh, "God had one son without sin." But he had no sons without temptation. You know, we we would all like to just be able to pass those things by because it makes you feel icky. Even if you even if you win, it's like you look at the devil and say you didn't win. You know, it's like even you know just you know coming into that proximity with him and having that kind of battle, it, it just leaves you feeling not so good. Like I need a shower. You know. And uh, so we'd all like to avoid that, particularly in our, our, our Western society. We, we, like, we like our you know, microwaves and drive-thrus. It's like we like everything nice and simple and tidy. Just give me the bottom line in a 10-second sound bite and, uh, because I can't pay attention any longer than that. You know? But we like things easy. Uh, but he wrote this poem that I thought, wow, it's really, you know, because we read about these things that these uh, saints went through, and it's like, wow, I don't know. That, you know, I mean, we talked about that maybe a month or two ago. About you know, you read these things, this great cloud of witnesses, and it's like, I don't know if I belong in this company. You know, but I, I found this this poem to be really great. It says, "Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb, and shall I fear his own to his own cause, or blush to speak his name?" Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood in this vile world, a friend of grace, so or to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer though they die. They view the triumph from afar and seize it with their eye. And when that illustrious day shall arise and all thine armies shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall be thine. So I thought, man, that's what I'm talking about. You know, and so, you know, 
We, you know, blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life. So, so God tries us, and He lets the enemy try us. But it's, but, but still, God is is in charge. Still, God is on the throne. So, God, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for what you've done, God, for us, God, and we uh, appreciate your. You're trying. You're proving, God, just like you tried Abraham. God, we uh, uh, we just pray that you would continue to do those things in our life. God, you know what we can handle, God, and you, you bring to us that you can indeed bear this uh, with my strength. And so, God, we just pray that you would continue that refining that you're doing in all of our lives. Lord, uh, give us strength. Uh, to endure the temptation. God, you've already given us that strength. Lord, help us to recognize that we have it, to make those choices, to make you our choice, because you are our joy and prize. God, we just pray that you would uh, uh, just bless this day, bless this service. Lord God, I pray that your spirit would just meet with us. Lord God, that that you would be pleased to come come among us. God, that we could uh, uh, touch the hem of your garment. Lord God, we want to get out and dance in the rain this morning, Jesus. And God, what we pray is that your presence would meet with us, God, and that, that our sense of expectation would be raised, Lord God, to, to receive from you, God, and to bring you an offering of praise, God, and, and uh, love and adoration, God, because you are worthy of it. God, we just glorify you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. All right.